Super stoked and delighted again to have with us Nathan Jones from Lamb Lion Ministries. Thanks for uh, hanging out with us, Nathan. This is super, super cool. Oh, it's my honor, man. I, I just love to talk about the Lord and his word with you. And uh, I think what you're doing to reach people for Christ is incredible. So anything I can do to help out. Cool, man. Thanks. 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 Uh, I had the honor and the privilege of doing a short prophetic perspective show with Nathan. And that was a huge blessing. I will link to their ministry. I will link to all their prophetic perspectives because they're all top notch so that you guys can take a look and uh, enjoy those. Cause I still do. I think they're amazing and they're awesome. But before we get going, I really want to just kind of chit chat just really quick about the changing of the guard kind of thing right there at lamb lion ministries. Why don't you tell us what that all entailed, uh, Dr. David Reagan, not retiring, but just kind of taking a, a role more in the background, maybe just why don't you fill us in on that? Well, certainly. Well, again, my name is Nathan Jones. I'm the internet evangelist here at Lamb and Lion Ministries. Our mission is to proclaim the soon return of Jesus Christ to as many people as we can, as quickly as we can before the Lord returns. Uh, the ministry was founded in 1980 by Dr. David Reagan, and he served here for 41 years. He he retired, as you said, at 82 years old uh, last uh, June. And uh, Colonel Tim Moore, who is an associate evangelist with us, has taken over the reins as director of the ministry. So we're in the middle of the, well, I should say we're kind of at the tail end of the transition. Uh, it's been a summer now. Uh, Tim is fully on pace. And Dr. Reagan is enjoying his, he got remarried at 82 years oh. old. His uh -huh. birthday is the week of this recording. And uh, so he's been enjoying that. Then he's going to jump back in and start uh, writing some more books. That's always been his passion to end his life. He's a prolific writer. He's written 20 books. Uh, so, yeah, uh, we're in the middle of a transition here, but it hasn't changed. We're still in step. We still have the same amount of energy. The ministry's message has not changed about proclaiming the soon return of Jesus Christ. And uh, for my role, I continue to co-host our television program, which is called Christ in Prophecy. It's now in its 19th season. And I focus on the internet as my pulpit, preaching all over the world through the internet and, you know, physically at churches and conferences, of course, too. But increasingly, especially in this COVID era, online. Yeah, you guys just had your big conference. Well, one of the big conferences, you're having another one coming up, but you had one, was it last weekend or the weekend before? Weekend it before was, uh, Yeah, weekend before. Uh, we, each year we hold our big annual conference. About a thousand people attend in person and a few thousand online. And we focus on the power of prophecy. And then on October 16th and 17th, we've teamed up with Billy Crone's ministry, Get a Life. And uh, we're going to his church in Las Vegas and holding our regional conference. Uh, his church has got a certain size limit. So there's about 360 we can seat. So if anyone wants to register for the Great Reset Conference is what we're calling it. They can do that on our website at ChristinProphecy.org. Uh, we'll also be putting that online as well. But it's really addressing, I think, a major topic today is is the great reset we're hearing ever since COVID started government saying build back better and we need to reset society into a socialist Marxist, Marxist utopia. And yeah. uh, how do we do that? We have to take down capitalism and get rid of uh, freedoms and very big mess. So we're going to be addressing that in different topics related to uh, the great reset. So check us out. Uh, we'll have that on Christandprophecy.org. Uh, we'll be streaming on our Christ and Prophecy YouTube channel as well. Very cool. And um, I'm going to go ahead and post. You guys put the conference on YouTube, right? 
Yeah, we'll keep that up so people can watch the Power of Prophecy. We also have a number of previous conferences. We have our streaming conferences. We have our television show, Christ in Prophecy. We have our short prophetic perspective series, which is great to have you on, Pablo, sharing your testimony. And uh, we also have a few other series called The Inbox and Bible Prophecy Insights. So there, people can check that out on our Christ in Prophecy YouTube channel. And I'm going to go ahead. I'll link all that stuff below on the Serpents and Doves website page. On the YouTube page, I'm only going to link up the Lamb Lion website and their YouTube channel for you guys to go ahead and check those out as well. But if you want the full gamut of resources, you're going to have to go to the Serpents and Doves website, and then you guys can just have out all the links I put there as well. So today, um, with so much to talk about, I really kind of wanted to talk and address the issue of deception in the last days. Uh, I think there's a whole slew of deception happening on multiple levels, on multiple fronts. Um, and of course, we're not going to have enough time to cover all of this, which leads me to put Nathan on the spot and ask him if he's going to be able to come back on and we'll have to readdress things when we do that. You cool with that? Brother, as long as you come back on another perspective, I'll come back on another. <laughs> Deal. We'll do that. We'll do that. Sounds good. So um, there's a whole, again, there's a whole slew of things. Um, and I have a list that I had sent Nathan and I'm kind of thinking about what I want to start off with. We're going to talk about religions in a little bit, but the one I want to talk about real quick right now, and we can kind of, you know, hang out here, camp out on this one for a bit is the topic of UFOs. And the reason why I want to bring that up right now is because it's kind of front and center. It's been front and center in the news lately. And I really believe that one of the big deceptions is going to come from this UFO paranormal, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. Um, but as most of you guys know, UFOs and identify flying objects, that was considered to be uh, conspiracy theory uh, stuff back in the day, not too long ago, or, you know, they would have classified you as, you know, as a taboo nutcase kind of guy. So what is your opinion about, let's kind of talk about UFOs right now. They've been in the news. What do you think now? I want to make this clear before I, you know, turn the reins over to, to Nathan. I want to clarify, I don't believe in UFOs as Hollywood and as the traditional mainstream spin it, okay? These little flying saucers with these, these aliens with these big heads and these black eyes. I don't believe in that. I don't buy it one iota. So why don't we clarify first what it is that it really, really is? What is behind this whole UFO phenomenon coming up right now? Nathan, what are your thoughts on that real quick? Okay, well, let's put it in context. Sure. There's an event coming called the rapture of the church, where Jesus promised in 1 Corinthians 15 and 1 Thessalonians 4 that Jesus will return in the clouds and take his church off this earth before he brings judgment onto the world in a seven-year time period called the tribulation. Yes. It says when he takes the church off this earth, he will also remove his restraining influence off the earth, and then the people will fall under a great delusion. It says because they believe the prefer to believe the lie over the truth, the Lord will harden their hearts like he did Pharaoh, and they'll believe a lie that will explain away the rapture. So there are two things on the forefront. Satan knows Bible prophecy. He 
probably more prolific in the Bible than most people are. And he knows that this event is coming soon. So we're seeing two great delusions kind of capturing humanity right now. One is the global warming or, or climate change delusion that if we don't do something now, the world will be destroyed. That is not in Bible prophecy that the world will ever be flooded again. So the, the Roshans will not rise and cover the earth. It won't be like Waterworld or any of those movies, <laughs> uh, Hunger Games, where half the world gets flooded out. It's not, it's not in the cards there. So the world is falling under a delusion about, hey, we've got this existential crisis we need to deal with. The second thing is this fascination with life outside of this earth. Uh, could it be that aliens are coming from other planets and they're bringing great knowledge that will help rescue mankind from themselves? We've been indoctrinated in science fiction since the 30s. Yep. I love science fiction, brother. I I've yep. actually can say I've re- watched every Star Trek episode ever, even those Hartwell Discovery <laughs> episodes. I mean, I, I, I love, yeah, <laughs> Spock, right? I know the fiction and it's fun to look at it that way, but you have to get to the occult. And the cult, the best example of the cult is the New Age movement. And the New Age movement believes that a Messiah is coming called Maitreya. And Maitreya will have uh, the, the great eternal spirit, so to speak, remove those people that are holding humanity back from evolving. And that's the Christians. Once the Christians are removed off this earth to be reeducated in outer space, then these aliens will come. They will bring great knowledge to the world, and the world can move on in their human evolution. So... The New Age movement believes in the rapture, too, but they already have their excuse that these great spirits, uh, uh, eternal beings are coming to rescue humanity from themselves. So that's the other great deception. And we know that over time, humanity is beginning more and more to adopt the the, the idea that there's aliens in outer space. Matter of fact, I saw a poll done just in this last month where they believe more people believe in aliens from outer space than they do believe in God now. Yeah, I believe it. So these aliens from outer space. Now, the Bible doesn't say anything about aliens in outer space. The creation only talks about what God's doing here on this earth. There's no knowledge of that. But we do know there's extra dimensional beings that mm-hmm. the Lord has angels who rebelled against God and he cast them out of heaven and put them on earth. They're called spirits of the air. Well, where are we seeing all these UFOs up in the air? And so we're seeing more and more as our ability to fly and get into uh, Earth orbit and all. We're running into these UFOs or aliens. Well, the Bible says right there, these are spirits of the air. They're demons. And the demons exist to deceive mankind and draw them away. So I believe as we're getting closer and closer to the rapture, that this climate activism, as well as this, which is almost a religion in and of itself, and this belief that demons are aliens that have come is solidifying this view that will explain away the rapture of the church. Yeah. Um, there, there seems to not seems to be there's, they've been, you said the thirties, which I, I agree the, the movies, the science fiction movies, there's this preconditioning happening right now. So when something happens, which we know the rapture of the church is going to happen, they'll fall. The people will fall for it. You know what I mean? This, this lie, this deception that, Oh, it's those crazy Christians that mother nature or earth purged itself of. And, and now, like you said, we can elevate ourselves to some sort of new level of consciousness and, you know, whatever that, that lie, that deception is, but we're, we're seeing it 
like I said, before where it used to be, you know, Isaac Asimov books or movies from Steven Spielberg, like E.T., this innocent, cute little toy where, you know, huggable, it's come from that, you know, or Area 51 conspiracy theory things to now it's mainstream news, even to the point where the Pentagon got, I think, a nine-page report um, from our military branches, or at least was it the Navy or the Air Force, one of them, where pilots have come out and said, yeah, we've seen these. Here's some video footage of it. And now it's not just these crazy nutcases saying it, but it's these now well-respected military personnel, high-level ranking officers, Pentagon officials. And so it's gone from something down here that was a movie to now it's, hey, this is real, right? And so what I'm seeing is people are also ready for the natural to become the supernatural, right? So I'm sorry, backwards, where the supernatural is going to become the natural. It's just out in the open now. It's no longer a movie thing. It's no longer a comic book thing or, you know, some, some conspiracy theory. This is like reality, legit. But one thing that catches my attention when I've read about these supposed um, alien abductions is the fact that they're always there's some kind of torture involved and something always involved with genitals and you, you know, mutilation or whatever you want to call it. And again, it really, it screams out demonic, everything to do with aliens, everything to do with this supposed UFO thing screams out demonic. And it is, they are demons and you're seeing demonic manifestations, but people aren't looking at it that way. Satan has done a real good job, even within the church, where people are going, you guys are just crazy. I don't know what you're talking about. Why is it that even those that are within the church are so reserved? They're, they're so almost even opposed to believing that these could, you know, there, there is spiritual warfare. There is fallen angels. There are demons, and they affect you know, or oppress people or, or they can not a Christian, but for those that aren't believers, they can even possess a person and manifest themselves. I mean, we can go back to the Nephilim in scripture, back to the book of Genesis. Why, why is there this, this, um, well, why do you think there's this, um, they're turned off to that or they don't believe it? Why, why are Christians and pastors not is it because they haven't addressed the issue enough? Is it because they're not, they're not talking, they're not preaching the Bible line upon line, precept upon precept? What, what, is, your, what is your take on that? I think uh, you see the churches swing more towards what's called scholasticism. Uh, it was the idea that or modernism is what was the secular version of it in the late 19th century and early 20th century. And then we moved into a time period of, which we call postmodernism. Postmodernism, yeah. But it's more of a mysticism. Uh, the church, there's always a spiritual side. So where the church adopted scholasticism, which matched modernism, it then moved into society, moved into postmodernism, which is more the church then started adopting this mysticism. But either way, the, the church tends to take a more cerebral uh, view, of course, cessation of the gifts. Anything mm-hmm. an idea that's supernatural makes generally church people uncomfortable, which is strange because a third of the Bible has miraculous right. things. 
super science. It's just because we don't understand it. God, who's created all and knows all science and made all science, can do things that we can't understand and we call them miracles because he knows the science to do it and he has the ability to do it. Uh, I don't believe there's magic. That's that's just satanic deception. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it's super science. But at the same time, the church always seems to be a little very uncomfortable with that subject. Now, as like the new apostolic movement and some of these other more yeah. mystical type movements come, then they're more open to spiritual warfare and demonic warfare, even though their doctrine's wrong. They, they kind of see it better. And the Bible is, is resplendent. Like Ephesians 6 tells us that our war is not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual powers, our principalities and powers. And so I, I think the church is kind of behind the eight ball on that one. We want to focus more on the facts and figures often than when we do the the supernatural, but the supernatural is all around us. I think another thing too is that Satan has made great progress. You go to third world countries where the people are trapped in animism and they're scared of demons and they do all these rituals to keep demons at bay. But what's worked in the West is for Satan to pretend and teach people he doesn't exist. Right. And so for years, the church has believed that that Satan, that spiritual part is, is past that's Old Testament because we don't see it here in our cultures, but other cultures absolutely see it that's changing because we're seeing demonic movements in the country now and people more open to ideas of demons or aliens as they're calling them than we've ever seen before and i yeah. again I, that's all leading up to the great deception that the bible prophesied so what do you think is the reason for this and and i agree with you this reason for this increased demonic activity at least in the west because like you said it's always really been a part of what we would call third world countries just because they've dabbled so much in, you know, uh, occultic um, rituals and their religions, you know, and you can go down the list, voodoo and whatever else. A lot of these uh, countries have Hinduism and even Islam. So, of course, you're going to see a rise in, in open demonic activity. But what do you think is one of the big reasons that we're seeing that here in the West happen such a big uptick? Well, I think you answered it already, Pablo. It's it's a move towards the occult. We saw it in the 60s when America shed its faith and moved towards Hindu mysticism, brought in swamis and things, especially through the Beatles and the music. And we saw the occult become more mainstream. Uh, one of the most disappointing things for me is to go to a bookstore and go to the young adult section and it's saturated with magic. I mean, I, you know, the Harry Potter series was the, one of the biggest things. It's it's endless magic. It's about witches and mysticism. We've indoctrinated a whole generation who's now in their 20s and 30s sure. into witchcraft. And so they're very open to the idea that there's, but they, they interpret it differently. They think, okay, there's good witches and bad witches. Well, the Bible condemns sorcery and magic. There's no good or bad side. It's all condemned. It's all satanic yeah. and evil. So the demons have convinced our society that they are good and noble and, and they want to protect humanity. And when they arrive one day from the sky in their ships or whatnot to bring humanity the greater knowledge, again, it's all part of that deception. And they, well, how do you approach? Well, you know, Satan showing up to Satan would be terrifying. So you go through maybe a superhero type character. That's, that's another aspect of American culture and world culture we look back to the Greeks and the Romans and they had their gods and goddesses. Yeah. Those were the superheroes of their time period. Today, yeah. we don't talk about God and Jesus anymore as a society. We look to Superman and Batman and, and all these other superheroes to be our protectors and our guidance. Well, 
when the demonic forces are ruling the earth in the one world religion that the Bible prophesies, it says they do signs and wonders. So very well could be that they come as some kind of superhero alien saviors like Superman and the world will follow them because they're yeah. powerful. They supposedly are going to give knowledge to people. And uh, again, the culture is very accepting of that right now. Yeah, it's very mainstream. It seems like it's become, uh, I find it ironic that, you know, a hundred years ago, plus we had, you know, the Salem witch hunt trials where it was very taboo recognized, you know, that witchcraft was not a good thing. And fast forward to today where it's not only accepted, but it's, um, it's celebrated as something that is normal as something that's supposed to be good for people. And, you know, psychics everywhere. I can tell you how many psychics, again, I'm in the Los Angeles area and they're everywhere. They're everywhere. And, and again, I do find it ironic that people are not willing to surrender to Jesus Christ and pray to God almighty, but they're willing to go down the street and pay some, you know, some person, <laughs> uh, some shaman. Yeah. You know, money to, to give them supposed insight and it's demonic. You're opening demonic doors. And again, that's a subject for a whole nother topic. Uh, a whole nother day is, uh, you know, demonic activity, the occult and everything, which we might cover someday. I really think it's very, very important, very apropos to what, to what we're talking about and how it relates to the rapture of the church. I find it humorous that starting back in the 30s, 40s with TV, they would have these little flying saucers and the little lights beaming down and then, you yeah, know, on a screen. Yeah, <laughs> getting sucked up into the, you know, spaceship. But if we look at it in light of the rapture of the church and preconditioning, when everybody, when, when millions of Christians disappear from the face of the earth, you could see how that preconditioning is going to give way to the, what we talked about. Oh, yeah. They took them away to cleanse earth and to purge earth. What an explanation and so easy. And people are going to fall for it. They're not willing to believe in Jesus Christ who gave his life so that we may live, but they're willing to, you know, uh, to believe the deceiver, Satan, uh, you know, with these, with these notions that we're talking about, these demonic notions. And again, we can keep going on and on and on because uh, it, it, it's never ending and it's every day we're, we're finding these things happening. But another thing which leads us perfect, it's a perfect segue into the, the other form of deception, which you kind of talked a little bit about, but it really goes hand in hand. You had mentioned that there are those who even kind of take this as a religion, UFOs and alien, UFOlogy, is that even a word? I think so, yes. Right? And so they they almost, they worship these extraterrestrial beings and un, unbeknownst to them, they're worshiping demons. But we have this um, this whole slew of religions and maybe where before it used to just be relegated to Mormonism and Jehovah's Witness and... I'll even put in their Catholicism. Now we have a whole slew of other religions that um, that are making their way on the on center stage. You know what I mean? And and in doing that, they're deceiving so many people. I know that for years people would say, "Oh, dude, what are you even talking about? We've had religions for centuries," which is true. We have had religions for centuries because 
Satan's MO is deception. That is just his mode of operation. That's the way that he wants to deceive the masses. And he's done that very well through religion. It's how good can you be? What can you do in order to obtain salvation? But now we're coming to the um, today's day and age where the occult is very widely accepted as a, hey, that's a religion and I can believe whatever I want to believe, but it's also very mainstream. And so we have this deception of um, people. And, and the way I see it is they want to do what they want to do because they don't want any accountability. So what do you see? How does deception play a role in religions, right? All these different religions. How does that impact people's lives? And how does that, and I know I'm throwing a whole slew out there. It, how does it impact the person's life? How does it impact the, the life of a, of a very frail believer? When I mean frail, a, a very weak believer. And I don't even know if I can even use the word believer, but someone who doesn't know the Bible, isn't reading their Bible every day, is just going to church once a week. What are the implications of having so much around us that, that is vying for our attention these days? Well, we got to go back to the heart of the issue. And the Bible says that the human heart is deceitfully evil. In other words, we are wicked. We're always going to choose in our natural state evil. Another thing is that humanity will always worship something greater than itself. Yeah. And humanists worship the ultimate man, the ubermensch. It, they, there is this humanist idea that, well, if you're not going to worship God, you're worshiping yourself. And usually these people that worship themselves see themselves as a lot better than they really are. So yeah. there's this hole inside the human that needs to be filled with worshiping a higher deity. It's meant to be God, our creator, mm -hmm. or the one who loves us and, and created us. We throw it into all sorts of other things exactly because of what you said. It's because humans want to approach God on their own conditions. Well, God, you have this moral law, but I don't want to live by this moral law. So I'm going to recreate a God in my own image, whether it be Superman or aliens or myself or Buddha or Krishna or who not, because that way I can reach salvation on my own path. Well, we know it's like a kid who's standing on the one side of the Mississippi and he tries to throw a rock to the other side. He can do all the good works and ceremonies and whatnot, but his, his rock isn't going to make it to the other side of the Mississippi. Yeah. And that's why we need Jesus Christ, the perfect man, the son of God who died on the cross for our sins. And then when we put our faith and trust in him, our sins are forgiven. We can stand before the father, holy and pure. That rock, Jesus, makes it reach the other side of the Mississippi. And you know what's amazing is it's a free gift. There's nothing we have to do except reach out in faith and take it. Sure. And so when you see, what does it affect people's lives? People become slaves of sin. They think that they're reaching God on their own merit. But what they're doing is they become slaves of the desires of the heart, the lustful desires of the heart. They become slaves to self-flatulating and deprivations and unnecessary ceremonies and, and giving all this money and trying to achieve something which they can never achieve, which God himself did free for us, although it cost him his life on the cross. And it doesn't just blow your mind yeah. that we in our thinking that it's freedom to reach God on our own merits, can't do it and become slaves to it when we've been given a free gift of eternal salvation. 
Well, let, so let, let, let me let me play the devil's advocate here, because I'm, I'm sure there might be some that might watch and go, yeah, well, I'm a Mormon and I'm a good person. Right. I worship Jesus. OK. And we know that they don't. But let's just say I worship God. I give my my uh, temple tithe. You know, I I I don't eat. I, I have uh, my fasting and whatever I don't pay for food that day. I donate it to the church. I don't drink. I don't drink coffee. I don't drink tea. I don't drink Coke. You know, I don't cheat on my wife. I love my kids. I love my family. I go to temple every week or the stake or the ward, whatever it is they call it. You know, well, what are you telling me that that I'm a Christian? What what would you say to someone? Because they are deceived. That's kind of the whole point. What would you say to someone who's thinking that, who has that mentality? Well, for one, I've written a lot about Mormonism, and Mormonism is a made-up religion that Joseph Smith in 1830 made. The Jesus of Mormonism isn't the Jesus of a Bible because he's only an ascended man. It removes right. the of Jesus. It also elevates mankind to become gods themselves and ascend one day to be rulers of our own planet. And so Mormonism is a false religion, and you can tell it's false because its founder, Joseph Smith, made a lot of false promises and prophecies that never came true. And Deuteronomy 28, or excuse me, 18, made a test that if anything that a, a prophet says does not come true, means they're a false prophet, don't right. listen to them. And so we also have to look at what Jesus said when the apostles asked Jesus that very question in Luke 21 and Matthew 24. They want to know what was the sign that was leading up to the end of the age. And the signs leading up to the end of the age, Jesus said, and he gave 10 of them. And the ten, first one, the number one prophecy was that false messiahs and false Christ would proliferate the closer we got to his return. I, I was on Watchmen uh, Fellowship website. It's a cult watching website. There are 1,200 false religions and 500 cults just in the United States alone. That's so great. Satan is, is proliferating false teachers mm -hmm. and false prophets in order to confuse. And, and Satan knows that he's going to hell. He knows it. But he's going to try to drag as many people as he can with him and away from Jesus Christ. And he does that by deception. Jesus said in Luke 21, 8, says, watch out that you're not deceived. For many will come in my name claiming I am he and the time is near. Do not follow them. So if you are wondering if you're in the correct religion, then you just need to say is what the teacher teaching line up with what the Bible says. Yeah. Go right to the Bible. Read the Bible, the, the word of God. And the word of God says that, well, how you live and how you behave, that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, then you are forgiven. Uh, he says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Not Krishna, not, not Mohammed, not Buddha, it's Jesus Christ. So if your religion is teaching you, that you can have eternal life apart from faith in Jesus Christ, then that's a lie as well. If it's sure. teaching you that you're born not a sinner, but you're born good, well, that goes against Romans 3.23. If it says that Jesus Christ isn't necessary for salvation, Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. And it gives us a warning in Romans 8.1 through 2. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in who? Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free 
from the law of sin and death. Uh, Romans 10, 9 through 10, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is your heart that you believe and are justified, it's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. So there are some people who say, yeah, I believe in Jesus Lord, but uh, that Jesus is my Savior, but I haven't made him Lord of my life. I can live this lifestyle and that lifestyle that's apart from God and, and rebellion against God. Well, Jesus say, I don't know you. Go away from me. So yeah. we got to make sure that we always go back to what the Bible says, because without the Bible, the very word of God, then we're lost. And everything we have then is religion. Religion is man's attempt to reach God. But the Bible is God's attempt to reach man. And that's how we know the difference between truth and falsehood. Yeah. And, you know, to add to that, uh, it's not on our own merit. The reason why I was trying to, I was doing this whole devil's advocate thing is it doesn't matter if it's a Mormon, Jehovah's Witness, a Catholic, it's all on, they, they're all based on my good merit. I, I am a good person. I do X, Y, and Z. And there's nothing that anybody can do to attain God's perfection. Nothing. There's zero. Now, that's what religion is. It's, it's your attempt to try to reach God. And it's a feeble attempt because it's impossible. Yeah. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not for yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Romans 3.20, therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law, by doing rituals and things. Yeah. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. So yeah. again and again, the Bible tells us it's not what you do, but it's who you believe in, Jesus Christ, putting your faith in him, that will save you from your sins. Remember, back in the Eden, a Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve walked and they talked and they had fellowship with God the Father face to face. But then sin entered and separated mankind from God. Yep. Well, all of human history is God trying to get us back into that right relationship with him to fill eternity with people who want to be with Jesus forever. Yeah. So our lives become a test. Do we choose salvation and reconciliation with God or do we choose to go our own way? Well, our own way will always end up in hell. Always. Yeah. That's the We are born on the way to hell. That's why we need Jesus to rescue us, to save us. From that wrath and put us on the right path to heaven and, and reconciliation with the father all of life comes down to one decision do i choose jesus or not that's yeah. the only decision that matters in your entire life yeah and that's pretty much god's gonna only ask you one question right what did you do with my son you know mm -hmm. if, if you reject the gift of his son god's gonna reject you and it doesn't matter oh i'm a mormon oh, i was a jehovah's witness i was this Religion doesn't matter to God. There's no such word in God's vocabulary. You know, um, oh, no, no, not John 3.36 says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. Yeah. Now, that, that's probably one of the most clear verses in the Bible, that unless you believe in Jesus Christ and put your faith in him as the Son of God and your Savior, then your sins you still have to pay the penalty for your rebellion against the creator of the universe. Sure. And Jesus did it for you. You only have to put your faith in him and then you're forgiven. God sees Jesus instead of you. But yeah. mankind is that heart is deceitfully wicked. And what's it want to do? It wants to go its own way. And our own way is just not good enough. Yeah. And you know what? Um, sadly enough, and I'll kind of segue into the next segment with this one is deception, even within the church. 
sad to say there's deception that's crept up into the church. We have a lot of heresy being preached today. Um, you know, case in point, there's preachers like uh, Joel Osteen who never crack open their Bible when they're preaching, but you know, it's all about encouraging and, you know, God's plan for your life. And if you speak it and if you, you know, if you believe it, then God will give it to you and just claim it, name it and claim it. Um, I love uh, Costi Hinn. I don't know if you, you know who Costi Hinn is. Benny Hinn's nephew, I believe. And Costi Hinn was part of Benny Hinn's ministry. Well, Costi Hinn came out of that whole name it and claim it. Um, you know, theology. And he, he goes around now talking about, he's a pastor and he goes around talking about pretty much the heresy of this whole uh, name it and claim it, uh, you know, theology. And um, I like the fact that he recognized where he was at and how he was leading people astray. And that whole message of God just wants to bless you and God wants to give, give you everything you want, you know, wealth, health, and I forget what the other part is, you know, um, but he, he's come out of that. And uh, knowing that, does God want to bless us? Of course, God does want to bless us, you know, but at the same time, God doesn't want us to go astray either. And so oftentimes, just like parents do, we need discipline because you know, we're sinful and our tendency is to go astray. Um, and so, unfortunately, now even within the church, you had mentioned, Nathan, the New Apostolic Reformation Movement. And um, that's, that's pretty much, that's huge. You, got, you have guys like Rick Warren. Um, we just, you know, like I said, we just went by the church this weekend. It's massive. No, we didn't go to it. We had happened to drive by it. We were in the area. It is massive. And people want to hear a message that everything's okay. You can, God wants to give you all the money you want and all the houses you want and be healthy and everything. And that's what the Christian life is all about. And is that not deception from Satan too? That's crept up into the church. Why don't we kind of talk about that a bit? Because I think there's a lot of people trapped in this notion that uh, this whole name it and claim it thing. I want to make sure I, I say this, God is our heavenly father and he loves us so much. He died on that cross. He, I mean, what he suffered for us is I can't even, I can't fathom the suffering that God uh, endured for us. I just can't. And that kind of love is even hard for me as a father to understand. And I'm a dad. I want to give my son good things, but at the same time, we don't give them everything because we know that can be bad. It's detrimental to them. And so uh, let, let's talk about that a bit. The, unfortunately, that, that deception, that lie about this notion that God wants to give us everything that we want. Right. Well, for one, everything that we want couldn't be our best for us because yeah. God often molds, well, I shouldn't say often, always molds people through adversity and, and challenge. Uh, when we talk about our best life now, the, the mansion, so to speak, uh, uh, the health, the wealth, all that, that's for our eternal life, our glorified bodies. That's a promise of the future. This life, what do we promise? To take up our cross and follow the Lord, to die for our faith uh, in some circumstances. So, you know, you've you got to ignore the biblical verses about the suffering in this life now 
to bring people to Christ, which is that's the church's marching orders, Acts 1-8, to go into the whole world and preach the gospel. Right. And you will suffer and die as martyrs often because of it. That doesn't fit with what these, like you say, the, the NAR preachers are preaching, that you can have your best life now. That You can have your best life now spiritually. Christians are connected when they're connected to Jesus Christ, have great joy and great right. purpose. And uh, uh, we can suffer through adversity and come out stronger in our faith. That's what the Lord is doing. He's building us. He's, he's developing us into a stronger faith. That it's called sanctification, the process of sanctification, to become more Christ-like. And right. that can't be done if you have your best life. Now, when are we spiritually weakest, Pablo? It's usually yeah. when we're doing well, when we have everything we need and we just don't. I mean, look at America. Oh, Lord is yeah. great thing. And now we're like, we're spoiled, rotten children who who have rejected our father who gave us it all. Yeah. And humans like that, too. So, yeah, yeah that life of, of living with God and seeing him face to face, being in that Garden of Eden again throughout eternity, that's our best life. But this life, the Bible promises, is, is going to have trials and tribulations and suffering uh, to help us grow in our faith and to help us reach other people for Jesus Christ. So yeah. what they're teaching is a is a incomplete gospel. It's a false gospel. And the purpose is obvious. It's bribery. It's like, yeah. uh, then you'll pay your student loan, so you'll go vote for me in the next election. But they're doing the same, hey, you know, join join our church, give us money, because we're going to get you these all these blessings. Well, who gets yeah. blessed? It's always the guy at top, right? Yeah, the health true. and preachers, they're the ones that are doing well. Everybody else is still poor and suffering. Yeah. We had a friend down in Nicaragua, his name's Donald Dolmas. And the, the name it and claim it preachers are huge down there. Why? Because it's such a poor area of the world. Sure, People sure. want, you know, there's substance living. They want more. And so they're very open to following these preachers. But what are these preachers? They're living like kings and everybody else is still poor. So you have to watch out. They're the false prophets we were talking about earlier that yeah. Jesus was about that come in and they're talking in Jesus' name, but they're not using the words that he put in their mouths. So here's the thing, though. We have the scriptures. We have the Bible. We have the Bible, the living word of God, right? And the, I, I think there's, I don't think there's a problem of spiritual ignorance, of biblical illiteracy, where people don't know because they don't know, if you catch my drift. Um, they're very easy prey to the enemy because they don't know what God says to look out for in his word, in the word of God. And so um, another form of, I think a form of, of, of being deceived is biblical illiteracy. When you don't, you can't, not that you can't, when they don't read or they choose willfully not to read the word of God, you're open to any wind of doctrine that comes along. And so we live in a day and age where, unfortunately, we have this notion that truth is false and false is truth. And I have here Isaiah chapter 5, starting at verse 20, says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light, light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. I'm going to read 21 and 22 because we sometimes just stop at 20, but 21 and 22 are equally just as applicable because it says, Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. 
Woe to men mighty at drinking wine. Woe to men valiant for mixing intoxicating drink. 23 says, who justify the wicked for a bribe and take away justice from the righteous man. Boy, if that doesn't sound like what we're living in this day and age, I don't know what else does. I mean, you know, this is prophetic, obviously. But if again, if we don't know scripture, we're, we're going to fall prey to the lies of the enemy. So we have this notion, this deception now that what's false is true, what's true is false, and this whole narrative that everything is backwards. And it's even crept up into the church. We've got woke pastors. We've got pastors that are part of this whole critical race theory, preaching it from the pulpit. It's anti-biblical. It's demonic. Uh, what, what is the future of the church when we have such huge, huge problems and they're not being addressed? Well, you have to go to Revelation chapter 2 and 3. Uh, if you want to find the church age in the Bible, of course, you can find the early beginnings of it in Acts. But uh, Jesus went to John on the Isle of Patmos and told him, uh, or had him pen seven letters, each to a different church. And each of the churches were real legitimate churches in Western Turkey. But it addressed also different phases of the church age. So when I say the church age, that's everything from Pentecost till it will end in the rapture. And when you get to the last, the seventh church, it's called the Church of Laodicea. The Church of Laodicea is defined as believing it had great wealth and, and all this knowledge and, and power and all. But really, Jesus said they were spiritually poor and blind yeah. and naked and didn't even realize that they were ignorant of the fact. And that would be the final phase of the church era before the rapture of the church. And brother, we live well into that time period. I, I look, if you look at the church of Philadelphia time period, we're talking about how people mock the pilgrims and the Puritans of the 16 and 1700s. But when you read their literature, they were, they suffered for the Lord. They had yeah. almost nothing. And when you read their literature, they were spiritual giants. You're talking yeah. about people knew their Bibles. Those people knew their Bibles. What do we have today? Self-help books and weak devotionals and, my father was in sales of books and Bibles for many years. He was between the publisher and the bookstores. And when he started out in the 70s and 80s, the bookstores bought heavy commentaries and dictionaries and, and Bibles and, and study Bibles. And then he got until like the 2000s. And after that, it started becoming more the devotionals. Sure. And then it became gifts. And then nobody was buying the commentaries anymore. And you got to wonder, we live in a society that has more entertainment, more opportunities for education, online libraries, endless apps, endless opportunities to get downloadable and print books. Yet we're the most spiritually ignorant generation because we're so shallow. And that's exactly defines what the Church of Laodicea is. So if we want to find out how do we deal with that, then we have to pull up Revelation 3 and read what Jesus said was his what we need to do. He says, um, I counsel you, verse 18, to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments, which represents holiness, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see as many as I love. I rebuke and chasten, therefore be zealous and repent. And here, and this is to me one of the greatest verses in the Bible, Revelation uh, verse 3, verse 20. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. 
To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. So here we got this Laodicean church. It thinks it's really rich, but it's really spiritually poor. And here the Lord comes down and says to them, be zealous about him and yeah. repent. And that's what we need to do. We need to realize that we don't have it all. We, we're not. We're walking on our own power. We're disconnected from the electrical source, which is Jesus yeah. Christ. We need to repent of it and return to him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's, it's, I have to say this though, there are still remnants of Philadelphia churches throughout the world. Um, I think of Iran where the church is being persecuted so heavily, but the church is growing by leaps and bounds. Uh, you don't have a church in Iran or in North Korea or even in China where you have the lights and the smoke and, you know, everything going on and, you know, the crazy sound. And look, I'm not dogging churches. I have that. My church does. I go to Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills. They have a great worship team. It really is a solid Bible believing church. Okay. So I'm not dogging that, but when it becomes the focus, when putting on a show is the focus instead of putting on Jesus Christ, uh, there's a problem there. And so those countries, they don't have that. They don't have any of that. Yet the church is growing by leaps and bounds. So it begs the question, why? And I think Nathan and I touched on that in the very beginning. And the word that keeps coming to mind is affluence. You said that earlier, uh, Nathan. How does affluence affect churches, the individual? H how does that really prevent people from experiencing uh, Jesus Christ to the fullest, really, because I do think that it's a hindrance. When you look at Israel's history, I used to, as I was a young Bible student back in Bible college and seminary, it's like, what is wrong with Israel, right? They get this great suffering from either a foreign power sure. or whatnot. Yeah. And the people turn and cry out to the Lord for help and he'd rescue them. They'd yep. be celebrating him. And then their children's generation was kind of like, oh, okay, I know God. And then their children's generation, as they lived in the affluence, were like, you know what? We don't need God anymore. By yeah. the fourth generation, they were back in slavery calling out, God, God, rescue us again. And it was a cycle that went every yeah. four generations again and again and again. I said, that's nuts. Well, now that I'm older and hopefully a little wiser, a few gray hairs, I'm looking <laughs> at American culture and I'm like, okay, we got this greatest generation. They had to survive two world wars. They had to survive the Great Depression. They called out, God, God, rescue us. The Lord did that and blessed them. What do we get? Their children, a bunch of boomers. Well, yeah. you know, we kind of believe in God, but we can do it on our own. We're very affluent. What do we need God for anymore? Their children, our age group, Gen Xs. Yeah. You know, we're like, eh, we just don't believe in God anymore. Our children's yeah. generation, outright heathens, destined for slavery, where they'll call out for the Lord, God, God, come rescue us again. Brother, we're living it. Now we're living Israel's history in our time period. Yeah, yeah, it is. For those of you that might be skeptical, pick up your Bible and just read the book of Judges. You'll know exactly what we're talking about because it really outlines the history um, all the way to the prophet Samuel, where what Nathan is saying is so true. It was this generation that was so sold out to Christ, so sold out to God and, you know, um, wanting to please him. But then the subsequent generations, the Bible says exactly, it says, and they did, and again, they did evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. And 
let's not let's not misunderstand God here for a minute. I want to be crystal clear about this. God is love because we do hear that's another deception. I, I didn't write that down anywhere, but you know, the Lord put that in my mind. That's a deception, is the fact that a lot of churches are only preaching God is love. And you can't preach one side of God only without having the other side of God as well, which is God is just, and he has to punish sin because he's just. And so you have to have those go hand in hand. Yes, he's love, but he's just as well. And so, you know, you could see that throughout history, even in the Old Testament, you have God who is gracious and loving, but at the same time, he has to punish sin and he does. But when Israel would call out to them and cry out to them, he would relent from judgment. He would be gracious and be merciful to them and heal them and heal their land and bring them back together. And, you know, shortly thereafter, human nature, we forget about these things. And it's like, you know, Nathan said, it's cyclical. But what's the difference now, Nathan, with this whole, I know we kind of got off subject a little bit here, but it's okay. I'm cool with that. What is, what are the ramifications or the implications of this whole cycle now? I don't personally believe we have another cycle left in us. If you catch my drift, I don't think we were talking about this off record. I don't think there's going to be this reset. I'm not talking about the great reset. Okay. I'm talking about like a reset button. I don't think we're going to go back to the quote unquote good old days or what we thought were good old days. I think our days as believers are, you know, ahead of us. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that? Well, if we go back to Luke 21 again, where Jesus gave 10 signs that would uh, increase both in frequency and intensity, the closer we got to his return, we talked about uh, false prophets, false teachers. Again, there's always been false prophets or false teachers, but Jesus said they would increase in frequency and intensity like birth pains. Another sign was natural disasters. I don't yeah. think anybody can disregard that sign. We are definitely seeing increases in natural disasters in the world, which the secular world has been explaining away as you know climate change or global warming or not. No, it's it's God who controls the weather. Said that would increase in frequency and intensity. Uh, he went through other signs: wars and rumors of wars, and famines and plagues. Plagues. You know, we're we're seeing again increasing in frequency and intensity. So I don't believe we're ever going to get back to the new normal in this age because the Bible says we're not meant to go back to the the normal. There's going to be a. It will continue to get worse and worse. And the linchpin that would let you know that you're in the final iteration as we've been talking or the final cycle is that Israel would become a nation again. And after 1900 years in May of 1948, Israel became a nation again. And Jesus said that generation, that, that people, that era that saw Israel become a nation again would see his return. Well, we are in that generation, that time period that sees Israel as a nation again, which means we're in the final cycle. That means in our lifetime, the rapture should happen according to the Bible. Israel will then enter into the unbelieving Israel, will enter into the tribulation, the world will be judged, and the Lord's purpose of that is to bring a remnant, which we know a third of the Jewish people will give their lives to Jesus Christ upon his return at the end of the tribulation time period. So that's how we can know. We can look again to the Bible, as we should always, is that we're in that final cycle. I don't see a revival, a worldwide revival. I don't see us resetting to the faith that uh, our grandparents had, so to speak. Uh, Israel's a nation again, which means, and the 10th sign is Jesus' actual return, which 
has an, it, that that's the end. Israel becomes a nation. It's under yeah. constant attack. Uh, Antichrist, the one world ruler, tries to destroy it, and that's when Jesus returns. So we are in the final cycle. So aren't we? Um, I believe we are. I know we're in the last of the last days, and boy, with all this preconditioning that we're having, and all this. Uh, how do I say this without getting? Um, censored by you know the powers to be but so many people are you know um lining up to get you know something given to them if you catch my drift because of this pandemic we've had uh they're lining up and they're so willing to take something upon themselves in order to be able to quote unquote buy or sell or is the way the media is spinning it to go back to life as normal they're very willing to have that. And I don't ever remember a day and age that we read about where people were so willing to give up all their freedoms on a global level, on a global scale, in order to be able to have what they believe is a normal life. And I, I really think we're there. Um, and we're we willing have, to give up our freedom for a false sense of security. Sure. Which, you know, like you said, that yeah. jab was yeah. meant to free us from restrictions. Well, what, is, what are they talking about now? Putting yeah. all those restrictions back in place. It'll never end. It's all about global control. Where's, that, there, leading? Where's that leading? Well, I think that what we're seeing is one part or one step, a test run of what we know the Bible prophesies is eventually the world will, will after the rapture of the church, the world will descend into chaos. The Bible prophesies a mass financial collapse, which we know America is well on the way. Yeah. Almost every country in the world is living under intense debt that cannot continue to be supported. And the global world system will collapse. We'll start seeing the natural disasters. And the world, uh, the Bible prophesies in Revelation 6 that a one world ruler will show up promising peace and could be he's a, says he's from outer space. He's an alien. It could be yeah. he's a has supernatural power, so maybe he's gifted in some way, but he and his false prophet will rise. They will tell the world, we can give you security, but you need to swear loyalty to me. And he will have this thing called a mark. It's his name or his number visible on the forehead or the right hand that you cannot buy or sell without taking it. Brother, we are seeing with this pandemic, yeah. talks about uh, passports, talks about people now getting fired, like the Mayo yeah. Clinic, if you don't take it. Uh, we're seeing talk about door-to-door -door visiting to make sure you've gotten it. I mean, it is continuing to spread. We're also seeing in China the social credit system where you're, that all your social movements, as well as cameras watching you, gauge how loyal you are to the government or not. Yeah. gives you a ranking, and the higher the ranking, the more freedoms to buy and sell. The, the lower the ranking, more restrictions from buying, selling, and traveling. Brother, that's right out of Revelation yeah. 13. So yeah. That system that the Antichrist will use to control the populace to buy or sell, that, that's it, it, the prototype is running right now. So yeah. if there's any other example of the Bible, and there's many, there's so many signs that says that we are in that final era. We are in that final era. Sure. Yeah, and don't let, don't let any pastor or anybody tell – you guys otherwise that we're going back to normal. It, we're not going back to normal. If, if you guys should know your Bible, um, study the Bible, know it, read it. Don't take Nathan's word for it. Don't take my word for it. Get into the Bible 
so that you won't be deceived. But let me tell you this, we're not going back to normal. And the good thing is that for those that are in Christ, we have a hope. And that hope is God's soon return. Imagine if his second coming is so close because we see the signs, everything happening around us, how much closer is the catching away, the rapture of the church, Jesus Christ coming for his bride to take us out before that terrible and awesome, and I don't mean awesome in a good way, day. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's, it's a hope. It's a big hope. The Bible says that, therefore, we are to comfort one another. So to me, it is a comfort knowing that we're not going to go through seven years of literal hell on earth. It's a comfort knowing that my Lord and Savior is coming to take me, to take Nathan, to take my family and those who love Jesus Christ to take us out before those seven terrible years that we can't imagine how bad it's going to be. I know a lot of you guys are going, dude, you're always talking about that, man. You just like you ever talk about, you know what? At the end of the day, I'm going to keep talking about it. I'm going to drill it home because I don't ever want anybody to be listening to this and say, oh, Pablo never said that. None of his guests ever said that. Nathan never mentioned any of that either. Baloney. We're going to constantly be doing that. Nathan with Lamb Lion. Um, you know, Dr. David Reagan writing books. Um, Tim Moore. I'm sorry, Colonel, right? I don't want to forget the Colonel part. <laughs> Hey, you don't just get those overnight, okay? You have to work hard and many years to earn that. So kudos and respect to Colonel Tim Moore. And I, I wish I could have that before my name, but too bad, so sad. Anyways, so we're going to kind of close now. Not kind of. We're going to close now because Nathan's been super gracious with his time. I can talk for a long, 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 long time. And uh, that would just make for a really, really long podcast. And so um, I want to close, though. And we've talked about a lot of forms of deception, but we've only covered just a few because there's just not enough time to cover so much happening around the world. But I want to read out of Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 13. It says, enter by the narrow gate. This is Jesus speaking. Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are, here's the word, many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are, keyword, few who find it. Nathan, looking at the landscape of the world, looking at the landscape of the church, where do we fit in with what I just read, the many versus the few. Are we getting there? Do you think we're almost there just based on what you see? Obviously, I'm not asking for a prophetic word. I'm just saying based on what the word of God says, based on what we're seeing around the world, based on what we see within the church and the deception going around, are more people coming to Jesus Christ? Or, you know, let me put it this way. Chuck Smith used to say, if we took a popularity contest between Jesus and Satan today, who do you think would win? Satan, hands down. I have to say, I don't like the answer, but I think it's true. So what do you he think? Out of this world, yeah. You know, what, what, do you, what do you think about that? The many versus the few. Well, I think the Bible verse you just read says it. Most people will choose their own way instead of following God's way, God's perfect way. 
because they have to give up control of their lives and they don't want to do that. They live for the lust of the flesh and the desires of the heart. So well, no accountability, course, no accountability. They don't yeah, want it. I mean, that's the way the move in our culture goes. They want to, I had a, another interview earlier today and we were talking about the two types of freedoms. Uh, for instance, the American revolutionary war saw freedom with accountability. The French revolution saw freedom without any inhibition. Well, look at the American Revolution. Revolution it was orderly and organized and established values and traditions that rested on Judeo-Christian values. The French Revolution was a bloodbath as they were murdering each other left and right for whatever they could get out of it. And that's where the way our society moves. We look at France and say, oh, France is this great socialist republic and all because they live for themselves and then all. But what's it end up doing? History shows it ends up enslaving them and destroying them. They had their fifth republic just in the latter 20th century. It doesn't work. Likewise, there's a reason. God established the order of the universe and his moral laws because they work, and everything outside of that doesn't work. It fails in a disaster. Why would we want to adopt a failed system? So I, I, Jesus nailed it when he said that wide is the gate, and many will go through it, but few will go through the small gate. So yeah. That, that puts you, if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, in the small minority. But the Bible also says that in the end times, we will see believers from every tribe and tongue and nation, like the sands of the sea, filling heaven. And so I know that all of human history, all 6,000 years, has been a great harvest. As God has winnowed out from the weeds, those wheat, so to speak, those faithful who want to live with him forever. Yeah. And that's what we're working towards. When we get to heaven, heaven is populated by people who choose to be with Jesus, not are forced to be with Jesus. And yeah. that's what all this redemptive history is all about. Amen. So for those that don't know Jesus and may want to know Jesus, Nathan, how can they do that? Well, they need to come to Jesus Christ in faith and repentance. Believe in the name of Jesus Christ and you will be saved. For God sent his own son into the world so that we may believe in him. His death on the cross is the sacrifice for our sins. Mm -hmm. So if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior yet, then step out in faith and believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. And in your heart, repent of your sins. You can even pray something like, Dear Jesus, please forgive me of my sins. I'm a sinner. I need to be saved. And be the Lord and Savior of my life. And Jesus will do just that. Your sins will be forgiven. The guilt will be washed away and you will inherit eternal life with him. Amen. So for those of you that may have prayed that, I'd love to hear from you guys. Um, you can contact us. You can contact Nathan, the Ministry of Lamb Lion Ministries. Uh, it'd be great uh, if you did. If you don't have a Bible, let me know. I'm always saying that. Please let me know. If we can get a Bible to you. That'd be great. Um, and find a good, solid Bible preaching Bible-believing church in your area and uh, gather together with believers in Jesus Christ. Find a church that preaches on Bible prophecy uh, because there's too many out there that don't. So um, that's very, very important. Nathan, thanks so much for being with us. I know uh, we probably went over time, but it's all good. Uh, it was a lot of information. We didn't cover everything, but you said you'd be back. Uh, as long as you're back on prophetic perspectives, we got a deal. deal. 
Deal. We'll do it. So I hope you guys were blessed. I hope you guys were encouraged and always more than anything. I hope you guys were challenged to get your noses and your faces into the word of God and let the word of God get inside of you guys until the next time. God bless you guys. See ya.